welcome back to uh, Madness in the Method, the podcast where we talk about Nicolas Cage and his prolific career, uh, one movie at a time. Uh, my name is Tobias, and with me as always is my friend and trusted co-host, Christopher. Hello, everyone. Hello. And in today's episode, we are talking about the 1999 Martin Scorsese-directed uh, Bringing Out the Dead. A movie about uh, a, 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 an EMT, um, what do you call it? EMT driver? Uh, well, I think it is called just EMT. Yeah, an EMT, alright, yeah, that's a abbreviation, right? An EMT in the early 90s in New York City, kind of kind of strung out d- during three nights of his, uh, uh, his, his very hectic work. Of course, starring uh, Nicolas Cage as the uh, aforementioned EMT. Um... I mean, that's it, really. There's not not really a plot. It's it's very character driven, so there's not much more to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, the thing worth no- mentioning is that he is either just before or right after he has become burned out. Oh yes, yes, L- and he is yeah. increasingly <laughs> burning out during the movie. Yeah, because 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 when a movie starts, it's really. He's not in a good place at the beginning of the movie at all. And no, it's no. not getting better. Yeah, and the, there's there's a short voiceover in the beginning where he talks about he hasn't he hasn't saved a single life in like six months or something. Yeah, um, and it's it's, it's really starting to wear on him. Is that long even? Yeah, maybe I it is. I think so. I'm not sure, but it's, it's quite a while. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, like we said, this is a Martin Scorsese movie, uh, and one I hadn't seen before. No. Um, and even though I'm a, I'm a big Martin Scorsese fan, it feels like, you know, everyone has seen all his movies, but he has a bunch of movies that, you know, people don't usually talk about, and this, this is one of them. Yeah. Um, so what was, what, what do you, what did you think before you watched it? What was your impression of it? I had no impression at all, actually. I knew of the movie, um, and the only reason I hadn't watched it was because, uh, it, it, it didn't feel like, you know, the kind of, Scorsese movie that or the kind of movie that Scorsese made in the 90s um, so for some reason I just like eh, I'll watch it later and then it never happened um, so I, I really had no I, I thought I thought it was going to be more more of a drama mm-hmm. um, more in line with maybe maybe movies like Silence which is a more you know uh, understated slow moving movie uh, that, that was not the case though uh Having seen it now, it's it's very much a Scorsese movie, um, yeah, in the so style of his like earlier and later. But you went into the movie thinking you would like it at least because it is a Scorsese movie. Or... Uh, yeah, um, I did. I mean, I, I've I've never seen a Scorsese movie I don't like. I've oh, I've okay. liked them to varying degrees, but I've never seen one that was like, oh, this is bad. You like it's, Cape that Fear? Is... Oh yeah, I love Cape Fear. Really? I think it's amazing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's Fair awesome. Enough. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's going to be the, I guess, quote-unquote, controversial uh, take today, is that you're not the biggest Scorsese fan? No. Uh, I mean, he has made some <laughs> good movies, but I'm... I'm, I'm not... Uh, it's not that I... I haven't regret watching any of his movies, but sure. I don't really have a need to watch them again, and there's they really quickly disappear from my mind after I watch them. They don't really leave an impression. Sure. Uh, and I think I, I think for one that's that's I think the most controversial opinion in this episode. Uh, I, I think I think Taxi Driver isn't that good of a movie. Um, uh, I um, I have recently discovered the same thing. Mm. I, I think it's I think it's a bit um, uh, what do you call it over um, uh, overhyped over overhyped yeah. yeah. Um, it, I, I, there's definite things uh, that things I definitely like about it, but there are. Like structural problems with it, first oh, and foremost. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, and they're like... the same. Uh, yeah, as I said, Cape Fear is not some a movie I really understand. I, I like at all. Uh, I think uh, Shutter Island is pretty, eh, mediocre. I mean, he's throughout. There's a lot of movies that he, I don't like about him, uh, or, or about him uh, that he made. Yeah, um, sure. But but on, on the other hand, I think Goodfellas is one of the greatest movies ever made. So I mean, it's yeah, up and down. It's... yeah. I mean, the, the ones that have become classics are they're they're classics for a reason. I mean, they're yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. So um, I I don't hate the guy. I'm just not the biggest fan. 
Sure, sure. Uh, I think he's a very hit and miss uh, director. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah, I, I, oh. I, I would say they're all hits to like, like I said, to varying degrees. I, um, I'm also not the biggest fan of Shutter Island, but I've uh, only like seen it once, I think. So yeah, me too. I, I've seen the movies I've seen with him, except uh, I think Wolf of Wall Street and uh, uh, Goodfellas. I think that all other movies I've only seen them once. Okay, and never really went back to them. Um, but, but what yeah, did you, so yeah, well, what did you think of Bringing Out the Dead? Uh, so I had seen this movie before. Oh, this okay. was not the first time I saw it. I saw this uh, a while back when I was like a teenager because based on the trailer or the cover, because I saw this on VHS. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I saw it on TV, but there was a trailer on TV that this is a movie that's going to be on Friday. So, ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I, I was prepared for it. And the reason I saw it, because that trailer made it look like sort of a supernatural s- ghost movie. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I went in with a completely different mindset. And I remember it being good but weird, and I didn't really get it. Again, I was like a teenager, and this is really not a movie I really could comprehend, I think. Just yeah. the concept of burnout didn't really exist, so... Um, yeah. So I, I remembered it was weird but good, um, and this time when I saw it, it was now when I actually could comprehend what it was about. I think it was it was it was a pretty good movie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong movie. Um, I, I don't think it's gonna be one of those I, I rewatch. So it's gonna be in, in in the category of good movies that I won't watch again. Um, but I, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, and I agree. I definitely liked it. Um, but it's it's one of those movies um, that, upon watching it, I, I I have to say I don't really um, understand exactly what it's about. Like when when the when the ending when the ending happens when the ro- when the credits roll, I'm like, what was it? Re- not what was it really about? Not like mm-hmm. I'm I'm questioning whether or not the movie is pointless because there's obviously like there's a there's a point to it. Um, there's a story being told. I just don't get it. Um, so it, it, it's not the same as because you said almost exactly the same thing with Super Eight. Yeah, there's um, just like yeah. What's the what's the point? There's nothing yeah. happens. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other version of it. Here it's me who's not comprehending okay, the so movies. You see that there is a point. You just don't understand it. Sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. That ha- that happens. That happens from time to time. Then, um, the last time it happened was uh, with the uh, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. I'm thinking of ending things. It came out a couple of years ago, like Christmas mm. 2020 or something. Um, I watched that with my mom, and we both were like, "It was good," but I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and even after like rewatching it and like watching an analyses of it, it was like, "Oh!" But then you're always going to be that. Then my initial reaction was going to be like. I didn't get it though, so maybe it's not really my kind of movie. And I think yeah. this is going to be the same thing uh, for this movie. Um, that even like, because I have done some research now since since watching it, and it's like, all right, I I, I get it better now, mm. but it's still you know my initial uh, thoughts on it is always going to be that I didn't quite get it, so maybe it's not really for me. Oh okay, yeah, I haven't watched any analysis at all about it, uh, but I think I get it. Well, at least. Not all of it, but some of it, at least. The yeah, main, well, yeah, the I got parts. some of it, definitely. Because uh, I, I think this movie is... Because there's this thing that he says uh, a few times, I think, through the movie. Uh, this thing of... Um, oh, let's... Are we going deep in analysis? Are, are we there already? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, he, he says that this thing that uh, he believes that helping others will help himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing that he is... He is not a person who, uh, who, who, I wouldn't say depression, but he's, he doesn't feel good about himself or anything no. really in his life. But when he saves a life, when he saves someone, he gets this high, which makes him uh, being able to live to the next one, yeah. the next high sort of. So he lives high to high. Uh, and now he's in this rut where he, he doesn't get this high. Uh, and he... And that's why he, he more more or less his life becomes real. He sees what it is. This just coming home at the, in the morning, drinking, 
not being able to sleep and then getting up again and going to work and it's just yeah. this whole dredge where he has nothing really to live for except this high uh, and, and, and he's not even receiving the high anymore so yeah, yeah. So, so now he's it's becoming sort of unbearable finding, yeah he's sort of finding that this life isn't a life worth living and he as he says uh, he, he tries to get fired because he can't really quit himself because he's still a, sort of a junkie for the high so he can't really, yeah exactly yeah yeah I he can't bring himself ideas, to yeah. actually to actually take that step to get away from it but he's sort of trying trying to get fired instead by being coming late and things like that yeah <laughs> uh, and then there's this movie it is definitely a slice of life movie you don't oh, really yeah. get a, a a proper beginning or a proper ending no uh, there is there is no story. there is no plot there is none yeah it's just three days of, of, of work for him yeah, but it is yeah. during these three days what happens when he meets this. Uh, what, is he, what is she called? Uh, Mary. Mary, yeah, Mary, played by his then wife uh, Patricia Arquette. Oh, I didn't know they were married and, and when this movie was made. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he meets uh, Mary, and he sort of finds uh, a glimmer of what life could be, and sort of getting this. Sh- not chance, but this glimmer of I should work on myself instead of just others. I should take control of my life and actually st- try to build a life instead of just living high to high. Sort yeah. of. And then also we have, because during these three days, he changes partners. Yeah. Uh, and those three partners that he gets, they all sort of gives give him advice and examples of ways to live uh with Although this then, some of them or maybe even all three of them also being like uh like they're not healthy people men- mentally no. healthy people none of them but they but they have they have ways to handle it uh, that isn't just high to high <laughs> Yeah, sure, uh, so, sure. So John Goodman's character, Larry, he lives for, for the future. That this is just something he does now, he's going to do something later. This is not yeah. his life. This is it's just, just a, a paycheck. Yeah, it's a paycheck till, until he can actually get to the place where he wants to be in life. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Tom Sizemore, Tom Wolves. Tom Wool, really? yeah, Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he sort, of, he sort of lives in a way of... It's hard to explain, but... Angrily, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But but he he has some sort of I wouldn't say hero complex, but some kind of living that he, just him doing his best will make a difference. It would change things. Yeah, and he sort of takes takes the law in his own hands and try to. It, at the core of his being, he tries to make the streets safer and better. Even though he goes the completely wrong way of doing it. Yeah, I I, I would almost say that he's. He he's having the same problems as Frank uh, Nicholas Cage's character, but he mm. deals with them in a much more um, aggressive, like outward-facing way instead of going inward. Like he beats people up instead, and like uh, attacks the people they're supposed to sa- save. Yeah, because um, he has we- he has that same like. That's a problem they all they all have. Because yeah, well, there was one left. Should we go ahead, talk uh, about him. Yeah. Well. So then there's Ring Wing Rams uh, Marcus who yeah. goes through. He has find found God, and he does this through God and his faith, and that because I I guess these three people they show how they deal with failing, with not saving people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which Nicolas Cage character Frank Pierce he can't handle it. He doesn't know how to handle not saving people. Yeah, uh, and and uh, Marcus he goes through. This is God's will. If I didn't save one on someone, I did what God wanted me to do. Yeah, which is. Uh, Per- perfectly like uh, 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 shown in when they when they uh, when they meet the the pregnant lady or the lady who's in labor. Oh yeah. Um, and she's giving birth to twins. One of them lives, one of them dies, and he sees it as something good. We saved the child, while Frank is like, "Yeah, but one of them died. Like, yeah. yeah, but they could have both died because they were in a crack den. <laughs> we saved so, one at least. So there is this thing of him not being able to handle failure, and these characters is ways for him to handle it um, yeah. but at the end well the way I interpret it at the end he rejects all those sides and decides there are more than this job there is more to life there is going another way um, yeah. with with Mary then um, and I the... think that's sort of the 
point of the movie, in a way. Yeah, I I, I, I saw it as the the the, th- the thing I I uh, the the point I got to um, was that he he is. He's trying to control what is like out of his control, and that's why he's constantly failing. Like he even contemplates that that you know he he when he starts seeing the ghosts of, of people who who are dead, like he might even know that they're all dead, even though he's, he he keeps trying to save them um, because that's what he does. That's what he's supposed to do, um, or he thinks he's supposed to do it, even though he has a choice to not do it. Um, and then ultimately, through through the course of these three days, um, see, seeing how other people handle it, or we see how other people handle it, he just hasn't seen it before, I suppose. Um, and then meeting meeting Ruth, who no, not Ruth, uh, uh, Ruth, no, uh, Mary. Sorry, and your Ruth came from Mary. Um, he realizes that it's it's uh, uh, that it's. Maybe maybe better to try not control things that are like out outside of your grasp, yeah. which is then um, kind of emblematic in, in the fact that he the first person they save in the movie uh, uh, Mary's uh, father, who is basically dead. He's been he is like, his brain hasn't had any oxygen for ten minutes when they when they get to him, so he's he's literally brain dead. Yeah. Um, but they still get a pulse going, and they get him into the the, the hospital. And over this course of these three days, he keeps going back to, to visit him and visit Mary. Um, and we do see that there is some brain function, but the doctors have to like constantly uh, bring him back to life. Like seventeen times, they have to uh, like resuscitate him. And and uh, whenever he wakes up, he's in like severe pain because you know all the stuff going into him. So when then in the end, spoilers, I suppose um, he realizes may, maybe I wasn't actually supposed to save this one, and you know he he was he was in more pain alive than he is dead. So he um, he uh, uh, unhooks him basically um, and lets him lets him die. Um, so yeah, like, so kind, I- kind of like letting go like of of. of this this what perceived control he has over life and death, and like just accepts his faith, fate basically. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of a symbolism of letting go of his responsibility. It's not. Yeah, because it's need not to save everyone. Yeah, it's, it's not okay. actually his responsibility. He 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 wanted to make it his, but it isn't really his. And it also, um, the way he says it in the movie, like we're 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 more um. He says we're not we're not really there to save people. We're more there to give witness. Like as in ninety percent of the cases, they don't save people. They just bring down dead people. They bring out the dead, as the yeah. saying goes. And the title of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's an interesting movie, and I uh, that's as far as I got. But I I, th- I think there I think there's more. I, there might not be more to it, but it, feel, it feels like there's more to it. That there feels like it's more to it. And I'm, at least I feel like I'm I'm missing something, but maybe I'm not. And well, then you no, know, it's still a good movie. But yeah, it does feel like it is one of those movies where I, I think this I could this is one of those movies I think that could mean a lot for certain people. If you yes. see this movie in the right where you need it, because you can. There's a lot of things to take away from it of just letting go and not having the responsibility of the world on your shoulder. And living outside of your job, and and all of these things are very human things that people fall into these traps. Yeah. Uh, and I think this movie sort of speaks to them. So if you don't need it, I think that's what you're feeling that you don't get it because you don't really need that where you are in life right now. Um, and I think that's sort of the movie that it is for for those people who need it sort of yeah and it, it's that's a that's a that's a sign of great art that it's very subjective oh definitely so, yeah yeah it is yeah this this is definitely uh, art this movie definitely um yeah it goes it goes beyond just entertainment yeah oh yeah i mean <laughs> i don't think anyone will just hang out in a couch with uh, some popcorn to watch this movie no I no no <laughs> not one of those movies it's it's not a it's not a really a fun movie to watch, even though there is some humor in it. It's it's not fun. It's very it's pitch black. I described it in on Letterboxd. Yeah. Um. It's 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 like not 
fun at all. So even even I, I rewatched it once. I was like, do I really want us? But I guess I have to since we are, we're, we're we're recording this a, a week late. So I had to refresh my memory. It's like, Ugh. <laughs> I don't really yeah. wanna. Because I, I also I watched this last week and I was thinking I want to watch it again. But then no, I don't. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't need this in my life. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, let, let's let's talk. We we mentioned some of the. There's not a lot of like um, characters in the movie. There, I mean, they're they're there for like certain parts of the movie, but the only characters that are through, like in the entire movie, it feels kind of like is um, uh, Nicholas Cage and uh, Patricia Arquette. The other ones kind of come and go. I mean, even Patricia Arquette kind of comes and goes throughout the movie. Um, but I think. Like everyone, even like the smaller roles, like Mark Anthony, uh, gives amazing performances in this movie. Like, there's no one bad, really. No, everyone in this movie is well, it's great, really. Um, except the people who is, uh, like extras. Obviously. But yeah, sure, because they're not supposed to act; they're supposed to be yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, everyone but, but... that has like a speaking role is is like, really good. Yeah. But that's you know that's a staple of of, uh, of Martin Scorsese movies. He knows how to pick his actors. Um, oh yeah, which is then interesting that he picked uh, Nicolas Cage for this movie because uh, it's someone he has, he likes to work with the same people over and over again. And here he picked um, a completely new actor that he hasn't hadn't worked with before and put him in this um, like in the star the starring role of a movie where he is really the center of attention all the time. And for some reason, it's like, I need Nicolas Cage here. <laughs> but what, Which is interesting, because he does a phenomenal job, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask, what, what do you think of his performance? It's great. It's um, understated, in a way. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's Nicolas Cage, so it's very, 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 uh, very big as well. Um, but he's not like... Uh, he he is he is understated when it when it ha- when he has to be, and then he's very animated when it when he has to be. Um, I think he balances it very very well. Um, just I guess something we're discovering more and more as we're uh, <laughs> progressing through this podcast. Like he really knows what he's doing when he's acting. <laughs> Sometimes maybe, but like ninety percent of the time, he really knows what he's doing. Even when like the directors are like, "Are you sure?" and he's like, "Yes, it's gonna work," and then it does. Yeah, so I, I actually I watched uh, I sent it to you I don't know if you if you watched it this big analysis video of yeah Cage. I I watched a part of it but I mean yeah. it's 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 this big video it's like three hours long yeah it's like th- three hours and twenty minutes or something it's yeah. Huge. So I, I, wa- I think I watched like, the first forty minutes, and then he started like spoiling things. And I was like, Ah, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to get things spoiled. Uh, so. But there, there was a lot of interesting things that he said just about Nicolas Cage' career or uh, his his that there is a red line through his career that we oh, yeah. haven't really talked about. Uh, which, and I don't think I even thought about it before. But this that he sort of picks sort of the same role uh, that his he always picks a person who sort of stands up for what is right and is not maybe the underdog but he is is an, either he is an underdog or he stands up for underdogs and that's sort of every role he has well not every role no no not, not every role but, but sort of I mean if we just watch, uh, we just look back at the last movies um, that he has, like Super 8, he's this detective who stands up for this uh, one victim that nobody stands up for. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, Snake Eyes, uh, he, he, this thing of he, uh, this murder and everyone, or, well, not everyone, but his friend is sort of just let it go, take the money, don't Yeah, and he decides to do the right thing and protect the only other person who wants yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and instead of Angels, that's, he's not a hero and that is not a hero movie, but again, there is, he is sort of the underdog, he's an angel who decides to fall for love and he, he rejects the, the way of being that everyone else is going through, because he, he is, yeah, sort of an underdog in that sense. Face-off yeah. is weird because he sort of plays 
a, a different character, but again, he is the good guy who has all odds stacked against him. And yeah, and you can just go through every movie and sort of. There's some examples like uh, when he plays like the bad guy, sure. Yeah, I think those are the ones that stick out then, because I... Yeah. Uh, He's not very sympathetic in Deadfall. <laughs> no, but there are these movies. The only movies that he he plays a bad guy is these movies that we said when we review them so far. At least is the movies where he goes. Yeah, this I'm gonna I'm gonna try something new. I'm gonna do something that I don't usually do. Like in Deadfall, sure, yeah. I'm gonna go all out. Yeah. I'm not able to do that in the movies, and, and then he takes this role. But other than that, in his quote unquote real roles, <laughs> he sort of gravitates to the same kind of character, even though it's a huge range for that character. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's that's pretty interesting, and it's it's again in this movie, same thing. Uh, yeah, and and uh, and, another, and as far as I got in the video, um, uh, talking about like uh, his style of acting, that he like the the the, the guy whoever what was the guy who made the video? What was his name? I don't even remember, actually. It was just... Uh, either way. The, the, the guy. Whatever. Um, He he mentions, like, the, nowadays... Uh, uh, the, the channel is called In the Praise of Shadows. Right. That was one. Because I, 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 I have watched things he's done before, but I haven't seen that video. Um, Yeah, In Praise of Shadows. Uh, look him up. Good that YouTuber. Yeah. Very good channel. Um... But he talks about like uh, like how most most actors nowadays and the, the most like popular style of acting nowadays is the more the more natural style like tr- trying to capture uh, realism while yeah, yeah. while Nicolas Cage has always been more of a, a a performer more than an actor I think he even uses that uh, description that he's not he's not acting he's performing. Um, yeah, he, how, like, said, he, kinda... he said in several interviews that he he dislikes the term of actor. Yeah, because acting is lying, and he's not lying. He's performing art. Yeah, so. which is, <laughs> which is, which is true. And I mean, it yeah. makes sense. Like, and I, I think we, like, without using those words, uh, kind of have been talking about that in his, in his act. Well, I guess in his performing. I'm gonna <laughs> say it that way. Um, so I, I found, I found that interesting that he himself has like said like like there, there's a, re- there's a reason why I quote-unquote act the way I do because it's more of a performance act yeah. um, so I, I, I like that that aspect of the video that um, that, he, yeah. that he he acknowledges as himself but that it's a conscious choice and I think that's also something we have noticed like he he makes conscious choices that other people might not agree with but in the end like he he never like his performances are, are never Bad. I mean, except for the one time he didn't care, which is, of course, Firebirds. We're always mm. going to come back to Firebirds, where he did he did he did not give a fuck. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, and it, they he talks about that too. About uh, now we're sort of just rehashing this video, but it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it has a yeah. part of this podcast. It's it is the Nicolas Cage podcast. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, we have to discuss so, the stuff we, yeah. we find out about Nicolas Cage, uh, yeah. and that's a thing that I. Th- uh, it's very, also very interesting regarding this performance versus uh, realism uh, that all roles where we have been sort of well, where either we have or the critics have criticized him for his uh, outlandish acting yeah. that's the that's the movies where no one else in the movie is on his wavelength yes, exactly, they're that not it, uh, that he, yeah. he, he always does the same thing, he always performs in the same way but when he is in a movie where none, no the other actors are even on the same ballpark, they're trying to do a realistic um, one-on-one movie of how real people act, then he yeah. just feels weird and out of place. They don't they don't take part in the energy he is giving them. Yeah, um, that's which, which why it is, doesn't is, work. So it's not actually all his fault. Oh no, and I yeah, and uh, I, I I don't I don't think I don't think. And at least I can remember. I don't think we ever really said that he was ever like, acting bad. It was just that it felt a little off, maybe. But yeah, that's because mm. the other actors weren't reciprocating. Um, which is, you know what? That's understandable though, because his his style of performing is very unique. I mean, he's basically the only one doing it nowadays. So I can understand mm. that not all actors 
um, can work on his wavelength, but it definitely um, it definitely makes it a more enjoyable experience when they do. Um, yeah. it, it, not even that they have to act as crazy as he does, but you know that they uh, they like they can go toe to toe with him and, and and still make it work. That there's a chemistry between them, even though he's very outlandish or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's this other thing with his. Again, that he's not an, an actor; he's a performer. Yeah. Uh, is we have talked about that before that he does a lot of movies. Even this point in his career, he does a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, if you compare with any other actor, sort of. And at this point, there, he is not in debt at all. He's pretty. He's pretty well off at this point. Okay. Uh, that it's it's like the next season of this podcast. That's when he becomes in debt. At this yeah, point, yeah, yeah. He, this is when he buys the first issue of Superman and builds uh, his fucking tomb, pyramid tomb. And oh, right, yeah, he's... the 90s is when he's, like, living large. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, sure, but sure, sure. He, but he's always done this many movies. That's because he looks at movies as work, and he is a workaholic. He doesn't look at movies as, uh, like, art in that way, sort of. Because uh, he, he just, I like to work. I'm, yeah. I need to work. Uh, yeah, and that was something also. The vi- the video helped me understand. Like, it's, I I understood why he made a lot of movies when he needed to pay his back taxes. But oh, like, yeah, yeah. why why would he do like at least two movies <laughs> every year back in the nineties when he was yeah. just coast? But yeah, then he he explained it in that video, or I guess and the interview he he quoted. Like, yeah, he he just likes working. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that's uh, it at least for me when I see this because I haven't really watched any interviews with Nicolas Cage. I haven't really read anything uh, from him. Uh, it's only speculations and rumors that you hear on the internet. Yeah, for the most... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, when I just watched these interviews with him and I just realized how he talks and how he is, it really... I My respect really went up for him. And I already was... looked up to him quite a bit um, since we, we watched so many movies. And oh, yes, yes, definitely. At this point, my, my, my respect just goes up for every movie. Oh, uh, yes. And, and yeah, those, same those thing. interviews really changed a lot of my uh, misconceptions I had about him. Yeah. Um, it's... it's, it's I, I, I felt the same way. Um, but it's, it's still going to be interesting, Don, um, to, to try to figure out why he picked... Admittedly, I haven't seen all of them, but why he picked so many bad movies there about ten years ago? They actually talk about <laughs> that, which is interesting. Uh, I, I, it feels quite a convenient, so I'm not really sure if that's the case. But if it is the case, I, I, I it's very understandable. That is that he picked a lot of movies because um, if he didn't pick them, they wouldn't be made. Okay. Without his name, because he he picked a lot of new directors uh, and new writers who wouldn't had a would have a shot if they didn't have a big name behind it, and I and he gave them that shot that he was like, yeah, I'm 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 doing this for you, so you can make your movie, and we'll see if it pans out. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you, so you sure. can have a shot to do it. That he's sort of a uh, yeah helping out because he was this big name, and he knows that if my name is on it. Some producer will put money behind this, and I want these people to have a shot in the industry. Huh. And yeah. I think that's that sort of explains why he made so many terrible movies because <laughs> there was a reason they weren't given a shot, if you would like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was being too nice. <laughs> yeah, but th- there is was that th- there is was this thing of uh, giving th- the new generation of filmmakers a shot. That he was, and also he, of course, got money and he needed money. Obviously, that was part. Oh, sure, yeah. At that point, but that that was, and if you look at this part in his career, uh, well, maybe not this, but the last season of the podcast, there was a lot yeah. of those there too. That he just, it just happens that those panned out. Oh yeah, sure, definitely. Um, talked about a lot of movies he's made is with actors who hadn't. Uh, had their breakthrough yet, or directors or writers that had, that only made one movie, and that was that movie. Um, yeah, we talked about that pretty recently. Like everyone had their big break right after the movie they made with Nicolas Cage. I don't remember yeah. what that was, but it was something we watched recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was Super Eight. 
think it was. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Because James Gandolfini got uh, Sopranos d- directly after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bunch of those. Yeah. Um. So that that makes sense. Um. And another thing I realized uh, after watching that video or watching part of that video was that uh, at least I have to do more research for each episode than just watching the movie. <laughs> no. Because there's much more to it, you know. Sometimes, because I do, I do, I do do, I do do some research, but sometimes it's just nothing there. Like some of the movies we talked about in the first season, like Boy in Blue, like there's there's nothing there if, you, if you're looking for it. Like there's no information about the movie. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like the movies he made, making he's making well, in this where we are now in the late '90s, the 2000s. There's going to be more information. So I, 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 I feel like I have to do more research for each episode than what I've done before, because that video was vel- very well informed. Yeah, kind kind of kind of put us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> this this episode is more a review of that video at this point, but still. Well. <laughs> Well, there isn't that much to say about Bring Out That. It's a pretty good movie. It's a solid movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those movies where there's nothing more to say more than just praise for it. Uh, Definitely. There uh, is one, one thing uh, more, though, because we, we kind of, this kind of started with, with us talking about his, his acting. Mm. What I do like about him in this movie, in Bring, Bring Out the Dead, is... That even he, even though he is uh, the star, he's the main, the main, he has the main role. He's in basically every scene of the movie. He still kind of takes a backseat to the other actors in the scene, um, and he he's more of an observer, uh, tr- almost like he's like trying to 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 take in what everyone else is saying instead of like uh, putting up what he wants to say. Um, and it makes sense because he's someone that's obviously searching for a way out of his like depression and 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 uh, exhaustion. So a lot of time it's it's him more reacting to what other actors or the other characters are doing in the movie. And I I, I found that interesting, just kind of how Scorsese took this guy who just won an Oscar and had just done the th- three of the biggest uh, like action blockbusters of the '90s. Um, and put this, put him in this really small role where he more reacts than acts. Yeah. Um, that he 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 saw something in Nicolas Cage. Obviously, that we realize now that he is like he he can he can he can really bring something special to 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 a character even when he's not doing much because he has a, a, a way of doing it. So it's was an interesting choice that I don't think a lot of other people uh, would have done. But Scorsese did it because he saw something in Nicolas Cage. And Nicolas Cage, as always, brought, brought the fucking thunder, even though he didn't do <laughs> yeah. much in the movie. Uh, th- I, I actually I watched a video recently about sort of this... Uh, it wasn't about Nicolas Cage, but about acting. Yeah. Uh, where they talked about that... If you, if you just look up top ten acting uh, scenes or top ten performances or something like that, you always only get these people who does this exploding emotions of screaming or having yes. this monologue or things like that. But really, there is at least as much or maybe even more um, worth in reacting in a good oh, yeah, definitely. to someone else having this explosive feeling. To just be the person who stands quietly and reacts and you will get it. And I think yeah. Nicolas Cage really does a good job of that in this movie. And, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and that's not something everyone can do. No, yeah, and then, yeah, that's that's what that's what I mean. Like he 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 acts without like it, there's so much going on just in his eyes in this movie. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I think uh, another reason this movie really works is because, as we talked about, this movie is not in the realism specter. It is sort of a spectrum. It's sort of. Um, but a lot of the characters are very more, very much in the same ballpark of Nicolas Cage's acting. If we look oh, at yeah. his, uh, his uh, uh, partners, they're yeah, very they're, they're uh, larger than life. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why it also works because they are in the same wavelength. Um, exactly, they they reciprocated his energy. Yeah, uh, even though he didn't really bring any, uh, it, it in the, in his performance that is. Yeah, I mean there there are there are moments, and like we said, like I'm I'm pretty I'm I I I think it's more, I think it's more what he he. 
Uh, I, like we said, this is speculating, but like what, like I'm, like what he did be- between takes. I'm pretty sure, like, um, there was a lot of like bonding between the characters because he is he has very little to do with the other characters in the scenes. They have to have a, a more a more they have to have more chemistry for them to be able to to reciprocate the energy he usually lets out. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, which just results in, you know, yeah, you have <laughs> mostly Ving Rhames and, and Tom Sizemore, but but uh, yeah. uh, John Goodman to some extent too, like having that big energy that you usually see from Nicolas Cage in a Nicolas Cage <laughs> movie, which he has from time to time in this movie. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely more subdued in this because, you know, it's, it fits the character much better. Like there's, like we said, he's he's definitely more internalizing than externalizing, like Tom Sizemore, uh, for example. Um, so it's uh, it was it was very interesting to see, and and one once again proving what what a phenomenal. I guess we've already said this, but what a phenomenal fucking actor Nicolas Cage is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so have you read anything about people thought about the movie at the time? Um. No, I haven't actually looked into it uh, other than looking at, just literally looking at the Metascore, and it's 70 out of 100, so 7 yeah. out of 10. And it's, uh, um, IVB is 6.8, so by uh, user views. Yeah, so they're pretty much in line with, with uh, uh, the critics, which is yeah. rare, it feels like. Very rare. Yeah. Um, let's see what it has. I use Letterbox more and more nowadays. Let's see what it has there. So it has an average of four out of five. So it's about yeah, an eight out of ten. Um, and that's yeah, that's uh, reviews are definitely yeah, they skew more uh, positive and negative. Let's see, it actually has no negative reviews. It has a bunch of positive and some mixed oh. reviews. Um, it has one. Well, let's double check that. It has three ten out of ten reviews. One from Roger Ebert. Oh, <laughs> he gave it four out of four. Um, Wait, is it he, four out of four? Yeah, he always does because he has he does the thumbs thing, and it's oh, not yeah. two thumbs. He has four thumbs for some, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but uh, no, I was more surprised it was a perfect score. That was yeah, yeah. He he, <laughs> um, he said to look at bringing out the dead. To look indeed at almost any Scorsese film is to be reminded that film can touch us urgently and deeply. Oh, that was kind of a oh, bland. So it's bland blurb. Scorsese made a movie. That's. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but let's see here then. Chicago Church. Tribune as well. Uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10 from Michael Wilmington. Blazes up constantly with a stunning off-kilter brilliance. An incandescent force that sometimes explodes the space between us and the screen. Yeah, uh, once again, I think that's much more talking about uh, the energy in Scorsese's directing. Because that sounds like a Scorsese movie. Because it's something we haven't we talked a little bit about in the beginning, but this is the subject matter is not maybe something you would uh, think is a Scorsese movie, but the style um, and the characters it is so much like uh, Scorsese the the energy and the the, the music um, and the the, the, the characters the, the editing which is not Scorsese but he always has the same or almost always has the same editor uh, Thomas yeah. Schoonmaker. Um, it's, it's just so awesome to watch, like, the, 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 the craft that went into, to, to making this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then just, just, I was just thinking about that, like, towards the end of the movie, when he's, uh, he, uh, after Tom Sizemore beats up, uh, Mark Anthony for the second time in the movie. Yeah. Um, and he's giving him mouth to mouth, and it's just like, here, here, here we have... Um, not not only is the character uh, g- giving a, a like uh, um, s- sitting in a, in a dirty, filthy alley in New York, giving mouth to mouth to man, oh, a, a, a drug addict, like insane person who's probably you know got all kinds of diseases, but he's just um, he he just has to like tr- try to bring him back to life, like he doesn't even care at that point. But then also like. That that scene, like putting putting that scene together, I don't know what it was about just that specific scene because I think it's shot on location even, and it's just, just he got Nicolas Cage to sit in this filthy alley, um, <laughs> like I don't know, it was it's just something about it just it it, it made me like 
appreciate the yeah the craft behind it and like like everything but that one was not like really like oh, shit man they actually made this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's what i like about uh scorsese movies like the uh, almost more than the script sometimes like the craft behind it this script though is written by paul schrader someone i'm i have i recently like started to appreciate more and more um after watching some of his movies uh, he wrote Taxi Driver, of course. Um, but he wrote, last year, wrote one of my favorite movies uh, of last year, uh, The Card Counter. And uh, he, he's done some really, really good scripts in the last few years. Um, so so it was interesting to watch this this as well. I, I, I don't think this was up there with some of his better work. But still, he, he has a very interesting, very dark, like like angry style of writing. Um, that I really, really enjoy. Um, another movie he made was First Reformed that came out a few years ago, which was also one of my, one of my favorite movies in the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't quite understand the movie the first time I watched <laughs> it, this would almost be like a almost be like a perfect movie for me. So it's not really the oh, movie's okay. fault, but I'm giving it a lower score because I didn't quite get it. Huh? So, uh, just... Um... User reviews of the movie. Yeah. It's very, uh, I'd say it's scattered but positive. Uh, a, a common criticism between a lot of reviews, which I don't really get, is that it's slow and boring. Uh, okay. Um, um, I, there's I too s- much talking and too little things happening. And well, I, yeah. I guess, but I think I felt a most every conversation in the movie was sort of... It was either a breather between two intense scenes... Yeah. <laughs> or they were just talking while walking and while things were happening and, and going to places. Uh, yeah, and it, was, it wasn't just talking for talking's sake. Like, they're, they're, uh, the characters are being developed in these conversations. Like, it's yeah. a conversational movie. Yeah, so I I really get that criticism, but that, that's a lot of people giving. It. But people who give uh, give it that uh, uh, criticism, they give it like a six or seven, so it's still a good score. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of ten out of tens saying yeah. this is a this is a perfect movie. Um, so I mean, it's, it's positive reviews. Um, if I like, I don't agree with that. It's a slow movie because goddamn, is it frenetic. Yeah, but I can see what some people might mean because it's it's a two-hour movie, like one hour fifty-five without the credits, um, and the first half hour really feels like the intro because it's the first night, and all it really all that really happens in that movie is that they bring in um, the guy with a heart attack who's been dead for ten minutes, uh, 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 Mary's father. That's basically what happens, and him walking around the the uh, the hospital like it's all it it's almost not really but it's almost real time and nothing really progresses we don't really get to know the characters i mean unless you actually pay attention so i can see the people think it's very slow moving because a third of the movie seems to be just introduction um even though that's not really the case but if if yeah like i said if you don't pay attention it, it would feel like that so i can understand why some people might think it's slow paced i mean though it obviously isn't. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to need to read this one. They didn't even give a score. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just... It's the most uh, tone-deaf review, I think, of the movie. Um, it's The title of the review is Bore. Oh, yeah, I have it in front of me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> This movie is terrible bore. The script was bad. Am I expected to believe that an ambulance man would drive a patient's relative home? Hey, if that did ha- did happen, I'm going to complain that that is the wrong use of resources. An ambulance is not a taxi. It is used to save lives, not to pick up the girls you like. What is even worse is that I had to endure two hours of Cage's expressionless face. <laughs> that was torture. Avoid this film. Okay, first of all, sir, Gordon Eleven, it's the end of the shift, so they're just bringing the ambulance back to the garage anyway. You missed that part, bruh. And also, his face is anything but expressionless. It's so full of torture and anguish and sadness. What are you talking about? 
But yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, some people might, you know, uh, sorry for being elitist, but some people just don't, you know, look at the movie the way you're supposed to. Well, yeah. So that person, obviously, he went into this movie trying to hate it, obviously. Yeah, probably, that's, yeah. He, he did not even watch the same movie. But this is another one which I can I can see what he's saying. I don't agree at all, but I, I, I can sort of see where you're coming from. Uh, the title is Rerun of Taxi Driver. Mm. Uh, what's happened to Martin Scorsese? As if uh, the remaking of Cape Fear wasn't bad enough, now he's remaking his own movies? Bringing Out the Dead is basically a rehash of Taxi Driver. A man pushed to the brink by the urban hell of New York. He's well directed, of course, and well lit, but Nicolas Cage and Rosanna Arquette are awful. Disagree. Uh, Cage being lousy is no surprise. Disagree. Uh. Arquette I expected more from. Despite the fact that they're married in real life, their scenes together are completely blank. No fireworks, no attraction, no nothing. Oh, disagree. I would say they great chemistry, but go on, sorry. Unfortunately, they're together most of the film. The supporting actors are terrific. Uh, Wing Rames, Mark Anthony, and especially Tom Sizemore. But the movie has been done before. The lead actors are lousy, script predictable. What's the point? Um, and I, I see, I, I see a point in his saying that it's a kind of a rehash of Taxi Driver because mm-hmm. it, it's by the same, like I said, the same writer, um, same subject matter, like like f- feeling like this the world is going to hell and you, there's nothing you can do about it. What's different is I think the mindset of the main character, one of them like desperately trying to help. Uh, uh, those he can't help, while the other one tries to like help those who don't want help. Um, uh, the first one being bringing out the dead, of course. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's um, once again me speculating. I think it's uh, shows the like where where the where the psyche and the emotions of Paul Schrader was at the time. Um, when he wrote them, at least that's what it feels like. Like, like he he's more angry in Taxi Driver, um, and kind of taking out his frustrations through the character, while he's thinking maybe feels hopeless slash hopeful when writing uh, Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, there are definitely similarities. They're both in New York. They're both uh, in in mostly at night, uh, and it's about a man. And madness, sort of. So there are yeah. definitely and, and a man driving around New York. So there's yeah. definitely a lot of similarities. But I think while Tax Driver is sort of, as you said, angry and sort of uh, explosive and outward acting. That mm. oh, this it's. I'm not saying that that's what the movie is about. But it's no, no. But this, the character so, is that. Yeah, but sort of this. I want. I want to change things. Yes. This, this world is fucked up, sort of. While. This movie is sort of more introspective. That maybe the world isn't fucked up. Maybe I am. Maybe I need to work on myself. And yeah, sure, the world isn't helping me really with that. But that it's it's more of a, 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 a yeah introspective movie. Yeah, and that's that's something that comes back um, in his in other Paul Schrader movies. Uh, he made a, a movie, I think, right. After or before Tax Drive, he made a movie called Hardcore, um, which is basically basically like a seventies version of Taken, um, which is mm. very interesting. It's a very good movie. It's George C. Scott. Um, he has a he 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 lives in like the Midwest somewhere, like Illinois or Iowa or somewhole um, and his uh, like 14, 15 year old daughter goes on a school trip to Los Angeles, but doesn't come back. Um, so he has to go to to um, to Los Angeles to try and to try and find her and get her back, only to realize that she has been like uh, basically sex trafficked into the the porno industry. Um, so he, t- he tries to find her and, and get her back, um, and uh, which all has almost that that same like uh, a- anger towards the world that 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 taxi driver has. Um, and then there's a similar theme in the movie I mentioned, First Reformed, which is about about a priest realizing that um, he, he befriends an eco-terrorist and realizes that the world is fucked. <laughs> um, which, you know, then he, he struggles with, like, trying to change the world, just like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver and George C. Scott in Hardcore, even though that's on a smaller uh, 
smaller platform, so to speak, just his family. Um, but in that one, instead of like going out and shooting or, or actually like infiltrating the porno industry and, and kind of becoming what he hates, he, he like he finds solace in his faith. Um, sort of spoiling that movie, sorry. Because I think you should watch it. It's a great fucking movie. Um, so it's, it's something that comes back like the... The the point the the pointless pursuit of trying to change the world and instead finding another purpose is something he that de- definitely comes back to in a lot of his movies. I haven't seen all of his movies, but at least the ones I've seen has that common thread through them. Um, that's that, that's what I think is very very interesting about him as a, as a writer. No, that there is this there's this, this through line, and you can you can see him the the the, the various stages of his life in his writing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I mean that's sort of what people say, and and then there, I guess I said a lot of ten out of tens, which is obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just it's a great movie. A lot of people saying this is Scorsese's most underrated movie, and I would I would sort of agree with that. It's uh, up there. I would yeah, say Silence, but yeah, this uh, is up I, there. I haven't seen that one, so I'm okay. Um, but yeah, so all in all, good movie. Go watch good it. Good movie, definitely. Uh, definitely. Maybe maybe not for fun, but uh, if you want to see a good movie. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing it, it's one that a lot of people haven't seen because it is yeah it's a kind of a forgotten Scorsese movie. So mm. check it out, especially so, if you uh, like Scorsese. What would you give it for score? Um, I gave it before this once again on Letterboxd. I gave it a seven or a three and a half out of five, seven out of ten. But mm. now after having discussed it, um, I'm gonna bump it up to an eight. I'm gonna have to change my score on Letterboxd because it yeah. makes more sense now. <laughs> Same here, eight yeah. too. Uh, it's it's not a great movie, but it's it's uh, well, it's it great, is, but it's it, not it amazing. Is, it, it's a great movie, but it's not a perfect movie. It's not a exactly. masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but, exactly. but it's a, it's a great movie. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, bringing out the dead. Yes. And next week we're gonna watch the classic movie that nobody rewatched, but everyone remembers. <laughs> Gone in sixty seconds. Ah yes, <laughs> yeah. I I saw that in the theaters. Oh, and you I did? haven't seen it since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you remember it was good, right? I remember liking it then, but I was yep. ten, so yep. sure, yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those movies where everyone I talk to, uh, when I've talked to people that have doomed this podcast, uh, that's one of the movies that usually get mentioned. Oh, Gone in Six Seconds. I remember that's a good movie. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a few people have said that. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember that. That was a good movie. I don't remember what was happening in it, but I remember it was good. Well, uh, no, yeah, so we'll see. Same here, I suppose, but it's been 20 and, years. So. Yeah, so, and that's the first movie we're going to do in the 2000. Uh, Super 8 and Bringing Out the Dead was 99, and now the noughties. Yeah, it's doing it's Gone in Six Seconds and The Family Man, which yeah. is another one I haven't seen before. So yeah, yeah it'll we'll be see. interesting to re- revisit that movie. It's uh yeah, especially now when uh, Fast and Furious has become such a such a staple in the film industry. Yeah, and I am I'm an unironic like super fan of the <laughs> Fast and Furious movie. So this is kind of a yeah. Cause, I guess I, it's no, it's a year before. So I guess it's like a proto uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah, I, I remember these two movies. They were sort of bunched together because I remember they sold. Uh, double featured DVDs with both movies. Okay, well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> uh, it's like action movies with cars or car thieves. Well, not th- they're not thieves in Fast and Furious, are they? Well, they steal other things. But yeah, yeah they're, they do yeah. steal cars, but yeah. they're thieves in general. Criminals. Yeah, but, but yeah, criminals with fast, cool cars. That's, yeah, exactly, that's... exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it's as good as we remember. <laughs> I doubt it. For, yeah, for I'm just looking at the score, and uh, yeah, not a great score, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna be fun, but not I, more than that. That's what I I'm, think so too. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Uh, so yeah, any any last words? Um, no, not more than uh, you know. Thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, be sure to check out Gone in sixty seconds if you want to follow along in the conversation next week. Um, also, if you want to listen to all these episodes uh, in advance, uh, check us out on patreon.com slash don't make a scene. And for just $3 a month, you get every episode way in advance. You also get exclusive episodes of my other podcast, uh, monthly commentary tracks, a bunch of other 
fun stuff. And you also support us in our independent podcast endeavors. But other than that, just check us out. Uh, check, us, check out all the other episodes if you haven't already. We're available on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Um, and uh, tell your friends. But other than that, thank you for listening. And until next time, have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Madness in the Method is part of the Please Don't Make a Scene podcast network. It is produced and directed by Tobias Vedin after a concept by Christopher Billian. It is hosted by Tobias Vedin and Christopher Billian. Executive producer is Annika Vedin. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check us out on patreon.com slash don't make a scene where you can get early access to episodes exclusive episodes of other podcasts commentary tracks and much much more and we want to give a huge shout out to our patron supporters Laura Kinney Rasmus Jonsson Mom 